Welcome to episode 490 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 490 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan, and yourself? I sound, I sound a bit Barry White today, don't I? Yeah, going, hus- going husky on us. All the lady listeners are loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been over... They are, all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I've been over in Taipei doing some work, and uh, yesterday I did a lot of yelling at people pretty much for all day, and... Uh, I'm paying the price, but it's okay. I'll survive. Um, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our fantastic team of patrons. Okay, and well, let's name a few, John. We've got uh, Pete the Explosion Curry. That is absolute gold, that nickname. Michael Swizzle Pizzell. Um, we've got uh, Stephen Big Bang Leonard. Eric the Resuscitator Fell Bubble. <laughs> nice on the name there. Mandy T Mac Tower Teller. So uh yeah, if you if you want to be a patron of the show, go to dub 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 I am talk top me and you can figure that out all on that site. Okay, team of this week's show, we've got some news. We've got statistic. It's a bit of a funny show this week, John. We've got statistic. We've got a website of the week, we haven't done one of those in a while. And John's history lesson. What's all that about? Well, I know we've got this this time of the year. There's not uh, too much content about, so I thought it's time to go back to school and and get schooled in some uh, triathlon and in this case, duathlon history. Is there an is there a, 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 a assessment at the end of it? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Yep, you'll need to be required to answer five questions correctly, or you'll be blocked from downloading any of our podcasts in the future. Well, that's that's kind of harmful to us. So I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know your theory behind this. <laughs> okay, we've also got some questions and answers at the end, and uh, yeah, so let's rock and roll. So first of all, we did have a couple of results last weekend. Iron Man Malaysia was our first race on the calendar. So uh, what happened there, John Boot? If you want to get fried and run a reasonably slow time, Malaysia is your place to go because it, uh, it's guaranteed it is going to be stinking hot. It just depends on whether it's going to be really, really stinking hot or just moderately stinking hot. But the run times this year would indicate that it was a pretty tough day at the office, but a very close finish. We're seeing some fantastic finishes in some of these guys' races recently. So we had Mike Aragoltz and Frederick Kronberg going head-to-head uh, right until the very end of the run, only 10 seconds wow. separating them. So it's brilliant. And apparently Harry Wiltshire was hanging tough with them for, for a long period as well. He faded a little bit towards the end, but still only three minutes behind. So Mike Aragos took it out. He swam 49. He rode 4.49 and then ran 3.08 for an 8.52. Ten seconds ahead of Frederick Cronenberg and Harry Wiltshire was back uh, three minutes back. So still a good, respectable result for him. Um Coming off the bike, though, they were all down on Roman Guillaume, who, what was his run split? It was a shocker. It was, I think it was like five and a half hours or something. Let me just scroll down. Roman Guillaume, uh, 5.08. So he, jeepers, he went close to, reasonably close to his swim and his bike time combined 
being quicker than his uh, run. He was so he was five twenty for the swim bike combined, and then five oh eight for the run. What do we call it when someone's run is slower than their bike? Didn't we have a name for that? Well, it was more of an action. It was a mandatory down trail. That's right. And for a pro, that's that's well, I suppose for a pro, it's almost a little bit easier because their bike's so fast. But when you look yeah. at some of the names who blew up. You know, you've got like a guy like Pete Verbusik, who's Mr. Consistent in the sport. Even he pulled off a bloody 11.44. So it's a real example of why this race is pretty challenging. And I do have to question how hard. We've been over this topic before, but some of the athletes that have got pro cards here, um, we've got an athlete who swam a 114, rode 6.57 and ran 5.48 for a 14.10. I don't know if he should be racing in the pro division. John, uh, he's, got he it year. he's got it. I reckon he's got, it. he's got it next year. Another one who swam one fourteen, right? Rode seven twenty three and ran five oh four for a thirteen fifty eight. Yeah. So, yeah, we know Pete Rabusik on his day. He's he's good enough for a few of those other guys. Maybe a little bit questionable. What happened on the girls' side of things? Girls' side of things, we had uh, we had Diana Rice take it out pretty comfortably. Swam fifty nine, rode five oh two, ran three twenty nine for a nine thirty seven. Twelve minute victory over Gretas uh, Fradas from Spain, and good old Natasha Badman is still cranking it out in third place in nine fifty four. The legend that she is. It must be a little bit demoralising for those people she beats, eh? Because she's you know mid to late forties now, and Jeepers creepers, the girl could still race, and you're kind of these young girls come along, and <laughs> this is kind of this experienced athlete still just kicking butt. It still blows me away that she won six Kona titles. I mean, uh, it's just incredible. Yeah, I, we haven't had anybody. I mean, how many's Rennie got now? She's got about three, and Chrissy had uh, what three or three or so. It's going to be uh, hard pressed to see if someone in the modern era is going to be able to get you know that sort of five or six titles like she did. Although, do you think Reith is of that? You know, because when we think about Chrissy, Chrissy was always this one of a, a rolling stone in the sport. You know, you kind of, in some ways, you weren't surprised that she pulled the plug because there was always this kind of bigger cause behind Chrissy. Whereas we look at um, Reith, there's you know she definitely seems like a pure athlete. Um, she's young enough, and she's you know got the kind of the pedigree to put it off so do you think that maybe we could see an era like that with reef well she's got she's clearly got the ability but six years is a long time and she has been at triathlon for a long time so you know someone like chrissy came in and um at a pretty old age but reef you know she was a she was an itu athlete for a long time so yep but you know the thing things are evolving pretty quickly um it's pretty hard to stay on top of the top of the world for that long so i'd say probably not but Let's wait and see if she proves me wrong. Hey, with the guys, did it come down to a sprint? Like 10 seconds is pretty close. Do you know what actually happened at the very end? No, it didn't really say. And, I, and I've got a little bit of a beef with uh, some fairly poor reporting on, on some of these I races. I did see there's WTC. a mini rant coming up. I was pretty excited there about this. There is a mini rant. Yeah. So, no, I don't know if it was a pure sprint. But you can see in the finishing picture that uh, Freddie Cronenberg is in the is in the shoot um, when Mike Harris is crossing the line. Oh, 10 seconds. Oh. Yeah, there's so many what-ifs in that 10 seconds, isn't there? There is, there is. <laughs> Going from a very hot race to what to another race that is normally very hot is Ironman Arizona. So, you know, Arizona is obviously a desert, and it's usually uh, pretty hot at this race and a bit windy. But this year, they got cold and a lot of rain on the run, which is very odd for this race. But we did see some smoking fast times. So. 
Yeah, Lionel Sanders broke the eight-hour barrier with a 7.58. He swam 54, rode 4.13 and ran 2.47. All these dudes uh, that were right up amongst it were coming off the bike with a gigantic um, deficit to Andrew Starkowitz, who set a new bike course record with a 4.03. Wow. Which is just insane. <laughs> insane. Wow. That is mind-blowing. Uh, and... Uh, we- well, it wasn't a explosion on the run. He was walking and did uh, did get past and and dropped all the way down to fourth place. Ran a three oh nine, so it wasn't a complete explosion. But he would have been uh, disappointed with that. You know, I think he would like to think that he can run three hours flat. And if you do that when you have ridden a four oh three, at you know most races around the world, you're going to take it. But he is a weapon on the bike. Is that the record? What's what is the fastest bike split? It's, it's very close to it. He did, he did a similar split in Florida last year, so I don't know if it's an exact record or not, but it was a course record at this race, and it must be one of the very fastest times that, that's ever been done. So pretty impressive. Brent McMahon didn't manage to quite dip under eight hours this year. He's done it a couple, at a couple of other races. Um, he went eight hours and 57 seconds, and TJ Tolkson just managed to nip past Starkowitz uh, right towards the end in third in an 8.04. So cool conditions. Good quality field, though. You had Starkowitz there as well. Yeah, Jordan Rapp, Mike Twelsick, a um, bunch of other guys. So it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was good to see uh, an end of season race. And a couple of those guys now will have booked their tickets to Kona, especially Brent McMahon. Um, he'll easily have enough points given he had an okay race in Kona. Lionel Sanders is going to be an interesting one to watch because, yeah, he had a weapon bike ride. He rode a four thirteen and then ran two forty seven. So the dude can bike and run as fast as anyone else in the world. Or maybe not bike quite as fast as Starkowitz, but you know he's losing seven minutes to Brent McMahon in the swim, and I just think in Kona, you know, I just think that's going to be a bridge too far in terms of uh, getting himself on the podium in Kona. Yeah, it's a real pity, isn't it? Because it is such a you know, even though it's a small aspect of the race, it's such a dent in your armor. Just just on uh, Starkowitz, Jeepers Creepers, if he can be that four hour mark, that's going to be a pretty impressive moment in the sport. <laughs> that would be that would be impressive, yeah, very impressive. That's, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah, nobody certainly. I can I can give the uh, John Newsom guarantee that as far as I'm aware, nobody's been under four hours. No individual has been under four hours at a at an iron distance race. Yeah, like at a full race. Well, pretty impressive. Yeah. What happened on the girl side of things? Meredith Kessler also apparently set a bike course record with a four forty two, which is equally smoking fast. Uh, she swam forty eight and and uh, didn't have too much pressure on the run. She ran a three oh eight, so we don't know if she was under under the pump or not. But she had about a ten minute lead sort of for much of the run. It started to crumble a little bit towards the end, but she had the race done and dusted. So an eight forty four impressive time. Eight-minute victory over or thereabouts over Amanda Stevens, which is a fantastic result for her, and then uh, Julia Geiger in third place. So yeah, some some solid racing, and Michelle Vesterby back there in fifth place probably will have um, booked her Kona Kona slot with that as well. So Meredith Kessler, she she races so well, just struggles a bit in Kona. She's um, hasn't quite sealed the deal on the run in Kona, so it would be nice to see her be able to do it over there because elsewhere she is really dominant. Yeah, she really is, isn't she? And as you say, it would be really nice because it just adds another dynamic to that amazing girls race anyway, doesn't it? Mm. And the more 
yeah, we get we're going to need a few of these girls that can really rumble on the bike to to give themselves any chance of keeping up with Daniela Reef when she's on her game. You know, they need some good girls who can swim and bike, and try to keep that deficit to to a manageable amount, and and then roll the dice on the run and and see what they can do. Because yeah, at this stage, Daniela Reef looks like she's got the full package, so the girls are going to need to up their game to keep up. John Bo, you want to rent? Let it out. Go on, let it out. I know it's coming. A little mini, it's a little mini rant today. I mean, when when you see the press releases and the race articles on WTC site and they go through, and I could have written them myself just looking at the results, they don't have any quotes or anything like that. You really want to hear what the pros have to say, even if it's just a couple of lines, but it just really bugs me when they, they've obviously organised the races. They must have some quotes from the athletes because they do all the post-race interviews and stuff. Surely they can just add a couple of quotes into press releases. It's it's press release one oh one. You always gotta have a quote in there. It does my head in when they don't do it. I love it when you because sometimes Houston writes press releases for us, which I always love. And I love it how you do that with us. You quote us in, in the press releases it. you write. But I love it. It's gold. It's absolute it's, gold. Oh, John Houston says. <laughs> yeah. John Houston wrote this. It is. Yeah. It's hey, it's uh, sensational. Hey, and, and, and people pick it up, so good work. You're a legend. There's no denying it. Jombo, the gossip, the insider emailed me and said the gossip isn't right. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So let's okay. let's leave that there was a gossip section in today's show. Uh and the an insider let us know and said, Look, you know, there's there's things happening somewhere in the world and and then they emailed me yesterday saying, uh, maybe not so much. So uh, we may have to hold back on that gossip. So, I actually think I know the answer to this, but we won't do that now. Okay. But one other thing before we go on, though, that uh, isn't gossip um, because it's on a website, so it must be true. The Triple Crown apparently is uh, is all on like Donkey Kong because we know that uh, Challenge Bahrain got cancelled a few weeks ago, but the Triple Crown is all on for Daniela Reef, and it's going to be at Bahrain 70.3. So, so, so do we just write a check? Or, oh, 70.3 is a bit different, isn't it? Well, she, it should be a case of writing a cheque, but a million bucks on the line, it's a big deal. I can't believe that they're just not jumping up and screaming about this because when have we ever had a million dollars paid to somebody in our sport? Wait, so when's the race? It's in December. Wow, a million dollars. This is big news, John. It's big news. Oh, mate, let's talk about it. A million dollars. What would you do with a million dollars? I'd pay off my mortgage. Okay. Well, okay. I'd go and pay off yours as well. I heard that. Everybody heard it. <laughs> Everybody heard it. After be... you've done your 400 press-ups. We've got a next week's show when you're back in Christchurch, oh, people. So here feel, we go, team. Here we go. So Feel free to post on our Facebook page. Given that on my pathetic display of um, doing press-ups last week was done live on the show, we need to have something for Bevan to do. I think that you should do the entire show next week um, doing a wall squat, you know, sitting up against the wall. Unfortunately, Jombo... Wall squats are one thing that I am really suck at, like because they they have the challenges at the gym all the time, and they do the wall squat. and And the problem when you're an instructor is everyone thinks you're going to kick ass at every every challenge, and you, the instructors tend to do pretty well. And but the wall the wall bloody sit is one that I'm just really poor at. So give it a couple of minutes. The funny thing was Jombo. So you left last week. And I walk into the room and I told Joe that you'd done thirty two, and she goes, "Oh, I could probably beat that." So then she was keen to give it a try. She popped out forty. Yeah, did you have your fist on the ground doing legit ones? <laughs> was I fisting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, John, no. I wasn't. No, but no, she was, they were legit. She was, she was yeah. legit. If you want, maybe next week we could have the challenge because I think if she was next to you, 
you would have got more than 32. You would, right. But I do think she could have popped out of probably a couple more than 40. So I think, you know, how was the body feeling the next day? It was pretty bad. I did go for a swim the next day and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> anyway, back to the, the Triple Crown. So this year, this year's edition was Challenge Dubai, 70.3 world champs and 70.3, um, what's well, going to be 70.3 Middle Eastern championships in Bahrain. Originally, it was supposed to be Challenge Dubai. It was supposed to be Challenge um, Bahrain. And then it was supposed to be the Challenge Oman race. So totally different set of races that we've got. And it's just going to be interesting to see where this goes further down the track, whether they're going to stick with Middle Eastern races or whether they are going to you know, go further afield and keep the 70.3 worlds in there, which will make it a lot harder to take it out. But yeah, we'll just see where this one goes. It's, um, it's pretty, pretty phenomenal if you pull off a million dollars. And it's, yeah. in some ways it'll be really disappointing if it doesn't get the exposure, you know what I mean? Because like, as you're saying, mm-hmm. it, it, we really want that to be the case. But if we... If, if it, you know, like we want it to be that when people make the big money, the people who invest that money kind of get the return on that investment. And exactly. so, you know, like fingers crossed, there is some kind of more exposure, not just in our world. But again, if we look to other worlds, a million dollars isn't a lot of money, is it? No, no. But, so. Yeah, it was supposed to be a game changer. And at this stage, it hasn't quite been the game changer that we thought it might have been. Yeah. So, well, let's see what happens. Okay, Jombo, sad news. Yeah, so for those of you who are not on Facebook or have not, but this actually made international news. It was very big news in New Zealand, but I even noticed it was on the BBC website and stuff. But um, pro athlete or former pro athlete Laurent Vidal passed away last weekend. So tra- really tragic news. He was only 31 years old. Um, the reason it was big news in New Zealand is he is uh, uh, Andrea Hewitt's fiance. He also spent a, a lot of time down in New Zealand. He was a very popular athlete. Great, um, he was a great athlete in his time. Finished fifth at the Olympics, and he was one of those guys. You know, you obviously have your, your Brownleys and your Gomez who are just uh, a step above everybody else. But Laurent was one of those guys that was, on his day, one of the best of the rest. And uh, when you get fifth place at the Olympics, that shows that you a you can peak on the right day, and you're a, you know a bloody high quality athlete. Um, he had a really bad, uh, major, major heart attack. Uh, I can't remember it was at some stage last year or earlier this year. Um, and that basically spelt the end to his racing career and was very lucky to get out of that one. Um, and since then, he's really just embraced himself into coaching. Um, so he's been coaching Andrea for, for quite a few years, and she's just really flourished in terms of taking the next step up. And uh, and I believe he was coaching a number of French athletes as well. Just a, He was a really professional young guy who was um, a smart racer and uh, a very good character for the sport. And so very, you know, just tragic circumstances for for everyone around him. And they had the funeral over there in, in France on, I think it was it was yesterday. So, yeah, very, very sad news. It, it was a heart attack? Uh, I believe so. So he died in his sleep, yeah. Oh, how horrible, eh? Japes, yeah. 31. So, so sad. So it's going to be, um, it's very sad. It's obviously incredibly tough on Andrea, um, not only has she lost her partner, but she's lost her coach and the person that, you know, just they probably spend 24-7 together every day of the year um, just doing doing triathlons. So um, going to be very, very tough for her. And, yeah, it's just going to be – just have to see what path she chooses to take. It is, it is pretty – that is really sad because when you think about um, the athlete's life, a constant mm-hmm. kind of relationship is, is 
not often a thing, is it? You know, like for most athletes, they do kind of live this very kind of rolling stone lifestyle. And, and so for to have a partner who can kind of live that life with you is a really good thing to have. And to, to lose it must be such a massive gap. Far out, man. Mm. I really feel for her. So, you know, just our thoughts go out to Andrea and, and obviously Lauren's family. And it's just what a tragic, tragic thing to happen. Really sad. So, yeah, mm. not good. Uh, Jombo, um, let's talk about a sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Oh, one John, of the things we haven't buffer. It is elected buffer, and one thing we haven't mentioned for a while is um, the IM Talk discount code. So oh. we've got an IM Talk ten coupon code receives ten percent ten percent of any product from X Endurance, other than already dis- discounted or bundled packages. So if you're getting like their their wad or their nod or anything, which is a, a cheaper package, can't use the discount there. But for all other products, go to xendurance.com and you get yourself 10%, which you know, in many circumstances, that'll easily cover all your shipping and stuff like that. So it's your reward for being a loyal listener of IM Talk. So check it out, xendurance.com. If you want to, a lot of you guys will be going into you know run, running season now, maybe a bit of a winter winter block of running, and uh, that's often where we bang our legs around the most and and do the most trauma to them, especially when you're racing. So uh, use extreme endurance and make sure your muscles don't get sore and you can race well and recover well. So check it out xendurance.com. With regards to the the summer season now being in New Zealand, you know we're coming into the mm. kind of triathlon season. Do you notice? You know, the, the season's picking up for the training people out there training? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the races are only just starting to kick in, and you weren't here. I don't know if you were here at the weekend, but it was no. absolutely bloody freezing. Oh, was um, but in New Zealand, yeah, things don't really kick off until later in the month. We have the House of Travel Triathlon Festival next weekend, November the 29th, which sort of kicks off the season down here. But up north, they've already had a few races. So, yep, start starting to pick up, and a lot of people will be getting ready for Taupo 70.3, which is uh, going to be quite a big race, I think, this year because we have the World 70. 70.3s in Australia next year, and so a lot of people are going to qualify. It's going to be a hard, hard race for Kiwis to qualify for. With regard, when, when each year, do you always get like a new bunch of people? I suppose you do. Like, is that quite fun getting a new bunch of people coming into the sport? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's just in a bit of a funny stage in New Zealand um, in terms of the sport sort of stagnating a little bit in terms of I think we're seeing the same growth that we've had over the last number of years. But there's always um, yeah, there's always lots of newbies coming in. So I got my try a try. Um, we have like about fifty or sixty people doing that out at the try festival. So they're all your newbies. So yeah, it's just cool that we've got a got a nice little pathway going. Mm, it's good times. Okay, guys. So again, X Endurance. If you want to get your order, remember our discount code. What is it again, John? I am Talk Ten. I am Talk Ten. I am Talk Ten. You get ten. Uh, ten. What is it? Ten percent off or ten? Ten percent off. Yep. I was listening really well. There we go. This week's discussion, guys. So I have to say, team, sharpen up on the answers. We didn't get many answers to this one. Would you, would an island house tri format work for age groupers? And what would you like to see? So basically, the question was: We had the Iron House. Uh, sorry, Island House Triathlon last weekend, which was a different kind of format, which was quite an exciting race format. Three days of racing, three different kind of course setups. And uh, yeah, so we're kind of curious to see what you guys thought and how you guys would like it to run. 
So what they had with the Island House race was they had a super sprint individual TT uh, and then they had a triple triathlon which was a, an Olympic distance divided in three so it was three times swim, bike, run so swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run and then they had an Olympic distance draft legal sort of handicap type race so it was a, was a very cool format and uh, hopefully we'll see a bit more of it. So Tim Newman said as far as multi-day go races there's an event a couple of hours from Melbourne at the Hay Hazelwood Hardman, which is an Olympic distance day one and a long course on day two. It's a ripper of a weekend, and I don't do push-ups. Yeah, not many people did the push-ups team sharpen up. John Newsom <laughs> set a standard. Now, you're all scared of him. That's why we were giving him a hard time. None of you guys can even do 30 press-ups. So yeah, like, no, I know. It was not a hard standard to beat. Pete Griffiths, Griffiths has got... I like the idea of multi-day races uh, so much so that I'm going to give an American Triple T a whirl this year. It'll be a month after my first Boston Marathon, so that could be interesting. I'm not planning on really racing Boston hard, so just enjoying the day. But you know that goes on once uh, once it goes on. You know what goes on once the gun goes off. Uh, and BTW, Triple T, takes place in Ojai. In the Ohio in Ohio. the Midwest. Ohio is okay. In the Midwest in May. Come on, John. Plenty of room there. Well, Pete, I am very tempted to get over there and do it. I was actually on the website and I've actually popped them. I've even popped them an email to, to see if we can get someone on there to, to do a little bit of an interview because it's a race that does fascinate me. Um, I'll go on about that in a moment. Lucy Francis, I would definitely do a multi day event somewhere tropical that would make an Olympic distance worth traveling for. And maybe that's. The way to go for shorter distances wanting to attract the international athletes. Ten years ago, I used to do three times ten press-ups on my fists. I'm sure I can still do them. Go on, Lucy. Give it a try. Uh, Simon Moffat's got, I'd love to see this. Each discipline goes for the uh, same length of time, e.g. 30 minutes. It's a multi-lap course of one quarter eighth of an Olympic, sorry, one eighth of an Olympic distance. So 200 meter swim, 5k bike and 1200 meter run. Each lap complete counts as one point there's no real transition as everyone will start the disciplines at the same time so I think what he's saying is basically it goes for 30 minutes you do those distances continuously within the time frame it's just how far can you go nice I like that I did see I think it was in Wellington that they had something where you had a, a, an amount of time and you, you could do as many races as you like in four hours or six hours or something like that. I like that idea. Richard Swan, I took him down. He only did seven push-ups. Surely not. Surely not. Swan. Wow, Richard. You need, you've been running too much. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Time for some strength work. You, you can run like Forrest Gump, but jeepers, creepers. Seven, I would love to see how, how many press-ups some of those... Yeah, I'd love to see how many press-ups like um, those Kenyan runners and things like that could do. Well, they don't use much upper body strength. So no. Yeah, but they're so fit, you think they'd be, to, and they're so light. You, yeah. It's hard yeah. to know, isn't it? But, you know, it's specificity, isn't it? People who aren't using that kind of movement aren't going to be that good at it. But at the same time, you think they'd have to do more than Richard Swan 7. <laughs> Lauren Salas, she says, uh, need to think on the first two, but on the third question, 78 non-stop press-ups. Wow, well Lauren. You rock, girl. You just won. I know. It took me down. Yes. Okay, just into a couple of other things. So as I mentioned, I'd love to go and do the Triple T uh, one day, and I was checking out their course and what they do with the Triple T. They, they essentially do an Ironman over a weekend. So Friday night, you rock up. And you do a 250-meter oh, swim. Sorry, sorry, Lauren. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Not what well on you, Gil. Meters. It's uh, what well on Guy. 
250 meters swim, 6k bike, one mile run. So that's sort of your little prologue. And then on Saturday, you do an Olympic distance in the morning, and then you do an Olympic distance in the afternoon. The only catch with the Triple T, though, it's basically a team event, so you have to do it with one other person. Now, some of the events, you don't have to do them with them, um, but in those Olympics, you do one of them in the morning, I believe, without your teammate, and then in the afternoon, you have to do it with your teammates. So you need to select that carefully. And then on Sunday, you basically do a half Ironman, and all those races are uh, over pretty challenging terrain. And yeah, I just, I think it's fantastic. It looks like a beautiful venue. So it is on my hit list to go and do that race. So um, in terms of the formats that I'd like, I love the Triple T. But I think you kind of need to decide if you were going to design one of these courses, if you were trying to pitch to the, the short course market or the long course market. You know, the Triple T is very much uh, going for the for more the long course athletes. If I was designing my own event I'd uh, for a short course athletes, I'd go for a 400 meter swim, 10k bike, 3k run uh, on day one and maybe even break that into individual disciplines. So you might do a 400-meter pool swim, a 10K bike race around like a, a racetrack and a, a 3K running race and then have combined times. The second day, I'd look at doing like a double double triathlon but only over the sprint distance, so a bit like what we do at the House of Travel Triathlon Festival where you swim about 350 meters, you bike 10Ks and you run 2.5Ks and make that draft legal for age groupers as well. And then the third day, um, I'd do a non-drafting Olympic distance race, and I think that would go down a treat. Nice, nice. I'm just trying to think of what I'd do. In some ways, I haven't really put a huge amount of thought into this, but I'm thinking that maybe what you could do is have a day, each day one discipline gets a lot more length. So, for example, this is just a kind of silly idea, but basically the first day you might end up doing a 2K swim, a 10K bike, and a 5K run. Uh, The next day you might do a 500-meter swim, you know, 50k bike and a 5k run and then the last day you might do a you know 500 meter swim a 10k bike and then a 20k run and it's just kind of throwing it around so each day the the discipline kind of plays around a little bit and it's just a little bit fun in that way it's kind of a different way of doing it everyone gets a chance yeah just something different um I like the yeah, idea of really short laps where you know like maybe you have to do 10 laps so something stupid mm. like 250 five two you know when you just and you've got to try to pop out maybe maybe not 10 laps but like five laps of that where you're just trying to really pop them out or i like the idea someone had earlier it's very much just a time trial you get an hour how many laps can you do in an hour something like that just just different stuff eh we had an email in from Ross. He was listening way back in episode 197, so he's probably not quite up to the game. But he was saying, do you think uh, if there was a triathlon experiment where they did the run, swim, bike, it would reduce the amount of crazy drafting that we have in most races on the bike? Since the run and swim could surely drop a lot of the top-end swimmers who struggle on the run, do you think the bike would become a lot more interesting and would punish people um a lot more, especially in windy conditions like Kona, where we would see a lot more people cracking as they try to make up ground. Um, they, they actually do this at the Triple T, I think. I think they um, one of the stages they actually don't do this. They do this. They don't have it as swim, bike, run format. I think it's on, uh, yeah, it's day two. They do bike, swim, run. Now the the challenge you've always got when you do that is you're fatigued in the swim, and I don't I, as a race director I don't know if I'd want tired people, especially after running, being in the swim. I think when you do the bike first, you can probably get away with it, but then you you automatically have all the drafting issues straight away. So it's always been the issue with the swim. In theory, it would be good to have that at the end, 
But I think if you're doing a long distance race, the risk of severe cramping is uh, is too high a risk that anybody would really want to want to gamble with that. I think. Yeah, yeah. There is that thing about how do the swimmers get more of a fair race, which has always been a question in sport, but never really worked in a race format, has it? No, and also that's a that's it's whilst you, you you're catering for a small group there, you know the majority of triathletes uh, the swim. It, it, that is one of the barriers of getting them into the sport, uh, and it's a discipline that they they least enjoy. And uh, yeah, so I think the way they've got it at the moment is generally pretty good. Unless you go into the pool, then it's a different story. But it is fun for fun little events to actually do some uh, some swimming after you've done the bike and the run. But it can be a pretty major cram fest. Mm. Okay, this week's discussion, Jumbo. This week's discussion. Oh yes, we're. No, what, where, and why the most challenging event you've ever done. Not because you've blown up or anything like that and had to struggle your way through to the finish, but the most challenging course that you've uh, you've done out there, whether it be because of the conditions, whether it be because of the terrain, or whatever it might be. And we only want one. We don't want, well, I did this one, but this one's also quite hard, and this one's really hard. It's your one most challenging course. It can be any distance as well, you know, um, my probably um, the probably one I'm going to have this answer for next week is an Olympic distance race, not an Ironman or a half Ironman or anything crazy like that. So the most challenging course and why it was most challenging for you. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, team, stats fantastic. Fantastic. It's, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Tell me about it, John Bobo. So closest woman finishes in Kona. And this was brought about because of this. Obviously, we've had lots of these really close finishes lately. Last weekend, we had you know, this one in Malaysia, and then we had that sprint finish if, uh, a little while ago. It wasn't in Wisconsin. It was uh, one of the, the American races where we had sort of a, a really close sprint finish. And I was wondering, we've had some close finishes with the guys. You know, We had Mark Allen and Dave Scott sort of going head-to-head, and we've had various head-to-head battles. But I was trying to think back what would have been the closest finish in the girls. And I was quite surprised how many finishes there are that have been really, really close, like within within a couple of minutes. They may not have quite been the head-to-head battles that we've seen in the past, but there was a lot which were only sort of between, say, one and four minutes. And we all know that in Kona, as much as any other Ironman around the world, you can lose a few minutes very, very quickly in the last 10K. But this week's stat is the closest finish for women in Kona that I could come across. And it was actually only a couple of years ago, 2012. Uh, we were there, and it was Caroline between Caroline Stephan and Leander Cave, and the different difference was only one minute and four seconds. So Leander Cave um, took it late in the run. She ran a 3.03 versus Caroline Stephan's 3.08. She won a 9 hours 15.54 versus Caroline Stephan 9.16.58. Bloody close racing. Could have gone anyway. Yeah, I remember seeing Caroline that day, eh? and she just she was a gone burger. She was, like her eyes were just, you know, she was fighting, but it was a yeah. pretty tough fight. It was so very close racing. Okay, and uh, which was the second one? Which second one we had was was a, was a close second. It was nineteen eighty seven, where there was only one minute thirty follow uh, covering the first two, and that was between. The great um, Paula Newby Fraser, not Paula Newby Fraser, uh, Aaron Baker 
and hold on, I'm just scrolling all the way back, all the way back, all the way back. Got to love slow twitch. They have got all the top 10 results of all time on their site. It was between Aaron Baker and Sylvian Puntos. Uh, so Aaron went 9.35.25 and then Sylvian Puntos went 9.36.57 and she was closing in on Aaron. She ran a 3.09 versus Aaron's uh, 3.11. So they had very even splits all day. They both swam 57. Uh, Aaron rode 5.26 versus 5.22. And then Erin uh, ran 3.11 versus her 3.09. It looks like Paula Newby-Fraser was leading off the bike that year, but she only ran 3.20 and ended up in third place. Okay, good times, rock and roll. Okay, Jumbo, you, I'm not putting music in this week because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be rushing today. But uh, Fair enough. ceremony music. John John's history, history lesson. lesson. Okay, tell us about it. You're going to talk about the Duathlon World Championships. Yes, but the reason for this is that we've got a Legends podcast coming out. I did the interview this morning. It's a slightly shorter interview than normal, but it was with, with Tia Sabizma, who is, you guys are going to hardly have a clue who she is. I mentioned her on last week's show, but she was the first female to go under uh, the nine-hour barrier, barrier at Rote all the way back in 1991. But also, she was the first ever duathlon world champion in 1990. So I thought... A, it's a little bit topical, but also we had the duathlon world champs a few weeks ago, and I don't think we gave it enough love. So I thought I'd highlight a little bit of uh, what happened a few weeks ago. And Devin, you often ask the question, duathlon's the poor cousin to triathlon, and it is. Um, but the prize money over in Australia, in Adelaide, where they had the world champs back on October sort of 17th, 18th, was 8500 US for first, and it dropped down to $175 US for 15th. So, yeah, it's not amazing money. The thing I don't get about duathlon is it should be way bigger. You know what mm. I mean? Like when we think about people who do endurance sport or, or people, you know, biking and running, fundamentally it's much more easier. As you're saying before, the, you know, the, the one of the barriers to duathlon is the swimming. So why isn't duathlon bigger? Mm. It's really fascinating. And at one, and at one stage, it was big. Mm. You know, back we've, we've heard a number of guys, you know, like Matt Brick and stuff, who've had on the Legends show, and um, sort of through the nineties, it was really it was it was big, and you know, they had the big races series in, in the states, and we had the Powerman series internationally, um, but yeah, never never quite took off, which is uh, which is a bit of a shame. But anyway, we had it back in October in Australia, and we had. Uh, Emma Pallant, take it out for the girls uh, in one hour, 58.21, only 30 seconds ahead of uh, the great Japanese triathlete A. Ueda in 158.51. And then Sandra Levince was another sort of 30 seconds back in third. On the guys' side of things, we had a, a Spanish dude take it out in first place. I'm just pulling it out right now. Uh, Emilio Martin took it out in one forty one hour forty seven, only eight seconds clear of the Frenchie Nicolas Benoit, and then Mark Buckingham, who is a, actually a triathlete as well, was only another sort of fifty seconds back. So that was in Australia a few weeks ago. But the first triath uh, first duathlon world champs all the way back in nineteen ninety, Kenny Souza took it out from Tia Sabesma, and then we had Matt Brick and Aaron Baker, our Kiwis, take it out the next year. Then Matt Brick took it out again. We had lots of big names that have gone on to do big things in triathlon, uh, do extremely well. So we had Greg Welch take it out in ninety three, Norman Stadler in ninety four, um, Tim Don in two thousand and two. 
Paul Amy in 2005 and 2007, um, Bart Aronotz, who often has the fastest run split for, for blokes at Ironman races around the world, took it out in 2010. And then, but over the last few years, it has been slightly more the, the duathlon specialists. On the girls' side of things, um, we've had Erin uh, Baker take it out, Carol Montgomery, who was an amazing athlete, uh, Natasha Badman, who we talked about before being a six-time champion at Ironman. She was very much a duathlete in her early years. She took it out in 95. Great Jackie, great late Jackie Gallagher took it out a couple of times. Erica Chomor has taken it out a couple of times. Kat Morrison, good friend of the show, has taken it out. Vanessa Fernandez got a couple of titles. Actually, Kat Morrison's got a couple of titles there. So it is a, it is a great event that Shame probably doesn't quite get the coverage that it should do. What a, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I just yeah, I'm just really fascinated why duathlon hasn't really become a bigger thing. When you're in its heyday, was it a kind of thing that lots of triathletes would kind of participate in? Yeah, it'd sort of be your, your, your pre-season stuff. And this was, I guess, before the international circuit became so much more international. You know, you normally have your European season and for us, for Kiwis and Aussies and stuff, you've had your Australasian season and, and, and likewise the Americans have the American season. But it would be the thing that would bridge the, 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 the seasons together. So you'd have your earlier season races and your late season races. Whereas these days, you know, the triathlon season goes for so long, you know, the first few rounds are sort of down down under and then you kind of move to your few rounds in, in Asia and the Middle East. And so it's very much, a you know, a full season of triathlon racing and there's not really those gaps in the in the season where duathlon would have fitted in the past, so I think that's probably been one of the main reasons why it has has fallen away. Is it also partly because when we look at um, duathlon, it was kind of controlled by triathlon people. So, like in some ways, it's kind of the poor cousin. So, my attention, while I'll make sure it's kind of you know kind of happening, it was kind of yeah, it's the side thing. Whereas if it if it started with its own governing body, it started with its own, like, I don't know if this, what happens, I'm kind of asking here, but if it mm. started with its own kind of organisation and, and a set of people who kind of didn't really care so much about triathlon, would have that had a different influence and trajectory on where duathlon kind of headed? I think you're right there, and it is most triathletes, whilst we had lots of triathletes win these titles, it was not their peak event for the season. Um, so they, they did it. And they go, yep, that was fantastic. I'm really happy to win that. And you might might do a, a small block of specific training for that. But for the triathletes, again, it would still be a, a building block for later on in the season. Or it might have been a, oh, I'll, it fits in with my end of season plans. Um, the other thing is, duathlon is bloody hard. Um, I find it significantly harder than triathlon. It beats your legs up something chronic. Um, so maybe that's a reason. And I, but I think for the for the general age grouper, you know, the the pinup races of Hawaii and the, the challenge of being able to to get over the fears for your for your swimming is a, is a big challenge for a lot of people. You know, pretty much everybody can run and bike, um, but to be able to do a triathlon, you got to learn that swimming. And for, for a lot of newbies, that's a, that's a that's a great challenge, and it's a a slightly more balanced pastime. You know, whilst not everybody's fantastic swimmers, a lot of people just enjoy the swim component of their training. Not everybody. I know a lot of people really. Do not enjoy their swim training, um, but it, it gives you a slightly more balanced workout, and uh, and it's a nice group activity to do. That's and it can be done in a very controlled environment as well. So, triathlon's just got a little bit more going for it than duathlon, but yeah, it is somewhat surprising that it's not as pop. Yeah, 
popular as perhaps maybe it should be. Interesting stuff, Jombo. Interesting stuff. Okay, well, there's your history lesson for this week, Jombo. Three, two, one, website, website of the week. Of the week. This is brilliant, Jombo. So uh, the mountain snail sent through this one, and it's a guy called Jill Headley, and it's basically a guy who is a very, very knowledgeable man when it comes to kind of uh, anatomy, anatomy and stuff like that, but also kind of a bit of a philosophical character who has kind of a whole world approach to movement and those types of things. And the video is kind of breaking down... Uh, you know, basically an anatomy thing. But then if you go to his website, he's got a course that he does for free and it's a YouTube course. And man, it's detailed. It's pretty impressive stuff. Mm, so if you, yeah, if you're somebody that's fascinated by anatomy, he does go, he's, he's very animated about it. I only watched um, one of the clips where he's talking about the fuzz sort of, you know, when you get up in the morning and you need to have a, a good stretch and you start to move around a lot more and if, uh, and just sort of talks about what's going on. If, but while he's talking about it, he's actually he's got a dead body in front of him, so he's actually oh yeah, yeah like it's, if it's not for the faint-hearted, but no. he's kind of opened it up and he's showing you what's actually happening. Um, yeah, yeah, and then I actually started watching the other ones. It's pretty yeah. If you are someone who does have that kind of interest in anatomy, anatomy is an, an interesting subject, but it can be a really hard subject to kind of kind of hold in place. If you know what I mean, I like can kind of come mm. and go in your mind because unless you're you know, like a physio or someone who's really using it daily, it's kind of, it can be a hard subject to kind of install. But yeah, he does a pretty good job of kind of helping you learn how the anatomy works. Yeah, so the website is Jill Headley, so it's G-I-L-Headley.com. And on there he's got, um, yeah, if you go to the video section, he's got a bunch of clips, sort of, uh, of talks that he's done. As Bevan said, there's lots of other things you can sign up for well. So if you're into anatomy, stuff and you just want to some people get, get a little bit grossed out by some of the stuff but it's uh it's it's fascinating work so check it out jillheadley.com mm, good times uh john sponsor athlinks.com i was actually on here this morning bevan just checking out the old rival side of things and it is absolutely brilliant now i don't have um you know because we're in new zealand and there's not heaps and heaps of, of racing down here and, 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 and the good athletes are sometimes a bit further dispersed. We often have quite spread out results and so my number of rivals is, is relatively small but for, for you guys that race more regularly and you do lots of the, the bigger races, you can have some amazing matchups here. So I've gone on to good old Rob Green, Spine Tingler's uh, Athlinks page, and he races pretty regularly. He's got 143 races on Athlinks, and he's a Kona qualifier. So, and But what's cool is he can go up against some of his mates. Good old Moose Herring uh, is on there as well. And so they've raced, Moose's got 101 races, and they've got, they, they're have got they pretty close together. They've got, Rob's got 24 wins versus uh, 15 losses going up, up against Moose. And what you can do is, as long as you follow your mates and stuff on Athlinks, you, they're all listed then on your rivals page, and you, you just click on the button, and every time you guys have gone head-to-head, you can basically click each individual race, and it will automatically give you uh, time split. So, for example, when uh, Robin and Moose went head to head in the Smith- Smithfield Sprint Triathlon back in March of 2008, there was a three minute 29 differential between the two of them. And these guys have got a good long rivalry. They're actually doing the Triple T together um, in May. And But then you can scroll all the way down. They both did Kona last year, and you can go into Kona and then. Rob took it down with a 40 minute and 51 second victory over over Moose. So if you've got some guys that you race regularly, make sure they're on Athlinks and then you can um, 
yeah, you can just compare how you guys have gone over the years and uh, either claim some bragging rights or keep a little bit quiet on it. I think the really cool thing about it is, you know, let's be honest, when you're racing your mates, there's always, it's A, we do like to beat them, let's not deny it, but B, it's, it's always just that kind of good ribbing fun that you're going to have, and so you can kind of have a bit of a cheeky kind of interaction with your friends if you're winning, and if not, you kind of admit, or you just think it's dead to you. <laughs> exactly. So, so all, all you need to do is you go into Athlinks, and as long as they're on there, you just need to find their profile, you follow them, and then they'll automatically be in your rivals list, and providing you guys have claimed the, the same races where you have been both doing them, then you'll, you'll automatically be in there, and you can, uh, within, within one, a couple of clicks, you can basically see all the races that you guys have done head-to-head. So check it out, athlinks.com. Athlinks.com. Okay, Jumbo, questions. Questions. Marcus Gattamore just got uh, just got back from Maui where I participated in the Xterra World Championships and I just listened to episode 488 Curtis on the coverage between uh, WBTW I look, took up mountain biking at the age of 54 and I was almost as crap as, uh, as I was now as I was 10, 9 years ago you get much better of practice, training, and learning the fine points. John, you'd make a great mountain biker. You're compact no, with high you, no, you're <laughs> compact with high power to weight ratio. And you also have spectacular races in New Zealand. Xterra pays a price purse of hundred thousand dollars US at its World Championships, uh, which had eight hundred athletes and more countries pr- represented at at a triathlon than the Olympics. And he also sent through a video. He said it's a pretty amazing race and John, you need to do it. I would like to do it. I, I, I am crap on the bike, and I, I get your point about you know power to weight ratio. I'm not a I'm not a monster of a guy, so I probably in theory should do quite well on the climbs. But you've got to have the gall and the skill to actually uh, push it on the the downhills and and the technical uphills. I actually watched a bit of the exterior on the training the other day, and it does look like a great race. And everyone I've spoken to about um, the exterior worlds do say that it's a fantastic race so it is on my list to do one day don't know when it's going to be but yeah I would like to go and do that okay um, next question we've got here is just um, who sent this just, just, just a thing from Torsten he's uh, for those of you who like your try rating stuff he's done a bit of a a, a, a try rating Kona report where he's written up a bit more Kona race analysis. Uh, so you can, if you like the look of that, you can go on to tryrating.com. Uh, I'm not sure if it's listed on there or if you needed to buy his Kona race ra- rating report. But if you can't find it on there, just pop Torsten an email. But it just goes into a bit more detail on how the race unfolded, um, where people faltered uh, through, through different stages of the race. Because obviously these days we just look now look at the splits and we uh you know the finishing splits and we uh, but things other things may have happened and that's the sort of stuff that torsten loves to geek out on and can sort of explain how the race unfolded where people um cracked and where obviously where people really uh really stood up and took the race to the others okay good times okay jumbo our patrons Yep, we've got some some new patrons. So Nemo Dory Brauch is uh, is a nice new patron. She's been a long time supporter and contributor to the show. And guys, for, the, for for our patrons, you know, do send through your pictures and a little blurb if you haven't already done so. For you guys who want to see some of our patrons, go to imtalk.me and you can click on patrons and then meet the patrons and put a name to uh, put, put a picture to to a face so you can check them out. And uh, yeah, we've also got a couple of others. Michael Turner, this is one for you to come up with, Bevan. Here's the, here's the scene. So Michael is a, um, a fitness trainer for the 
army dudes in Australia. He's an Ironman athlete, bit of a hard ass, I think, mm. and he's based up in the Northern Territory, so he's Jumbo, sweating his ring piece. You're not gonna believe this. So, so when you when you when you were kind of talking about Thorsten's thing, I kind of came up with his name, and it suits perfectly for the story you've just told me of his life. Okay, Michael, hit us. Call me Sir Turner. <laughs> right, okay. I, I seriously, I had written that down. I don't know why I wrote it down, but I just thought, wow. And then when you said army and stuff, you couldn't have done better. There we go. Call me sir. Call me sir. There we go, Michael Turner. You, there you go. Unbelievable. I and am... Leon uh, Thedon Parry. This is a, a past nickname. Vader. Nice, nice. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty happy about Michael's nickname. That's unbelievable, John. I, I think I'm. I'm I'm speaking on another level, I tell you. Yeah. Um, speaking of that last name, Vader, I actually tried to go and enter a um, Star Wars competition last night for Thomas to win a trip to, to to England to go and see all the Star Wars stuff. And they have some pretty uh, pretty in-depth questions you had to answer. You had to be a serious Star Wars geek fan to be able to enter the competition. So how'd you go? So, did you, did you well, not I'm, still research, I'm still researching. <laughs> What's different about the, um, about the Millennium Falcon in this latest addition to, to what's what's been in the past it's cgi no no i think it's actually a, a physical difference on the millennium falcon like mm-hmm. as a door missing or as a, a radar the dish not it's, there. it's not obvious on the internet I, I i'm still going to do some more research there's a number of questions that i've got to find the answers to mm. so even what's been happening in your world um well i'm over in taipei and I've been mm-hmm. doing some work, which is it's actually been quite a nice trip because normally when you go to Taipei, they know how to make money out of you, John, and they work you pretty hard. Um, whereas this time, I seem to have schemed it. Like everyone else who was over here with me, I've been working really hard, and I haven't. So, so it's been quite a cool trip in that way. Yesterday I had a pretty big day, but the other two days I've just taught a couple of classes and then went to the movies when I saw James Bond. Did you go see oh, it? Oh, bastard. No, you haven't seen it yet? No. Okay, well, I won't make a comment on it. Um, so when it's with James Bond, um, you know what I'm looking forward to, John? And this is, mm. I know, a bit of a boring answer, but I'm looking forward just to getting some sleep back in my life. The last kind of three or four weeks of my life, sleep has been kind of very average. And you, you, you live and you survive, but there is something about living in that space where you've always just kind of underlying tightness around you. And the last, you know, just because I've been traveling so much and time clock... And I tend to have bad, some bad habits when I travel. I tend to stay up a little bit later than what I normally would. So, you know, those types of things aren't really helping me. Man, I've just been tired. Poor me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just grabbing my tissues, man. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it for you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. What have you, what have you been doing? <laughs> we had the races at the weekend, the annual pilgrimage oh, did, to did you, did Big Race Day. Yeah. We, uh, it, was a, it was an interesting day, a good day. Apparently Very strong weather. police presence this year, Bevan. Very strong. You waltzed in. You, were big, you had a big walk down the driveway to get there, and then there was like lines of cops there, and which is kind of ironic in the end because so they had a big police. It's it's a big boozy day it's a very booze filled day and so they had a very strong police presence try to to, to to really muscle down on things and I honestly thought it was probably one of the messiest races I've been to in terms of uh, in terms of people just getting a little bit OTT on the old uh, the old alcoholic beverages well, I heard there were lots of fights and there's was, was some news reports saying it was actually a pretty while the police were there they actually didn't really help the, the problem if you know what I mean 
I didn't didn't see too much of that. We're we're, we're in a civilized area, but uh, there were some uh, a lot of very drunk people. But it was still a fantastic day. Went with my good old strategy. I said, right, I'm going in again. I'm going to go three and twelve all day long. And we wanted to aim to get there for the first race. And we're walking in, and the first race is underway. And three or twelve came in. I was gutted, and they were, they weren't one of the favourites either. So I would have had a good payday on that. But outside of that, stuck Why my you guns. Put the you too late. I was too late. Oh. Yeah. So, but I stuck with three and twelve for the rest of the day, and yeah, had a number of payouts. So I certainly didn't make any money. But Belinda and I sort of had some nice complimenting bets. You know, if I didn't win, she tended to win. So yeah, we didn't come out on top, but we had a good, entertaining day. Of it. Who won the day between you and Belinda? Ooh, we didn't actually do a tally up at the end, mm. but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think I took it, people. Think I took it. Of course it. you did. Think I took it. What about this week? What's happening uh, this week? Well, so it's just time to get ready for this big race, and that's pretty much dominating the rest of my days at the moment. Just keeping on top of things. And outside of that, we had a fantastic start to our um, sort of summery season. But my God, it's turned cold, and I'm not happy about it. And we can talk about the cricket again, Bevan, because we first test, we got ourselves down completely by the Australians. This time around, you've been missing the action. It's been uh, it's been going a bit better. Well, it, it seems like it could be an interesting game. I have been kind of keeping an eye on it. So basically, for those around the world who want our cricket update, Australia killed us in the first innings, but it seems like it's a pretty good pitch because we, we kind of did the same thing in the second innings. But in, then Australia have come back in this last innings of theirs, and they've done really well. So do you think that we're going to see a result? No, probably not. Oh, it's a stupid game. You play for five days and you don't get a result. And Thomas keeps asking me, who's winning, Dad? Who's winning? I said, well, nobody's really winning. You kind of, the game's just progressing. Did you, Silly game when you can play for five days and you get no result. Did you watch the MMA? Did you see that? I've got no time for that stuff. Oh, John, it was pretty I awesome. just think it's just, I've got no time for it. Did you don't like the I did see it. Kind of, did, did, did you not, do you not like fighting? No, I oh, don't. don't you? I really, no, I despise it. I did see it. You despise and, it. You get so <laughs> I get so angry at fighting. Yeah. Um, oh no. man, it was not my cup of tea. Oh man, those. It was pretty impressive. I have to say, like I'm not a big fan of MMA, but Ronda Rousey was this kind of untouchable legend of the sport. Now again, I know nothing about it, but from Joe Public, and uh, the girl smashed her, man. Oh, Jesus, those guys, those guys and girls are crazy. To me, mm. to me. Fighters are the ultimate because it's like, like Ironman is hard. Don't get me wrong. Like far out when it comes to the hard sports, Ironman's pretty bloody hard. But you're not getting beaten up. If you know what I mean, like in fighting, you're, you're putting energy out, but you're also getting smashed. And to me, I don't know. The consequences are a lot higher. And that, that girl smashed her. She was out for. Out for anyway, oh well. You're a lover, not a fighter, aren't you, John? I am a lover, not a fighter. Doesn't do anything for me. Well, oh, fascinating. I get a lot of females don't like fighting. I get that, but men, you're meant to like fighting. It's, it's <laughs> Neanderthal in us. Uh, not my cup of tea. You back in the studios next week, Bevan? I'm back in the stu- uh, Yes, but we're going later because Porno and I are going to see Chris Cornell. Do you know? Oh, who, good old Chris. Do you know Chris Cornell? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm real well. Yeah, <laughs> good mates. Do you know the band yeah. Soundgarden? Yes, I do know that band. And, and, and he also sang for Audio Slave, or he's a singer, and he's just basically solo nowadays. And he's pretty much one of the greatest rock singers of all time. And uh, so he's in Wellington. So Porno and I are flying up, what, Monday afternoon, coming back Tuesday morning. We're going to have an all nighter. We're going to go all night. 
No hotel. You're just gonna go go to the concert and then just go out party. We didn't even night. book a hotel, John. That's how cool we are. Dude, when was the last time you did an all nighter? I cannot recall. I cannot recall. There's only been one or two. Yeah, it's been a while for me as well. Oh, those are the days. Okay, John, but let's wrap it up. I've got to get going. I've got to get to work. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia car. Kia car.